Hello and welcome to Call of the Senate, a podcast presented by the Minnesota Senate DFL Caucus. I'm Luke Bishop. Tuesday marked the one-year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd, which rocked the city of Minneapolis and rippled through the rest of the country. Across the globe, people stood up to demonstrate against police brutality and racism. In the year that's passed, calls for reform have grown louder and activists have demanded systemic change in our systems of law enforcement, and many elected officials have begun to take action to enhance police accountability. The dynamic of police reform at the Capitol this session can be boiled down to this. The House of Representatives, led by a DFL majority, has passed numerous police reforms, including limiting certain traffic stops for equipment violations, a prohibition on law enforcement officers from affiliating with white supremacy groups, authorization of local governments to establish law enforcement citizen oversight councils, regulations to the use of no-knock warrants, modifications to body-worn camera policies, and so much more. The effort in the House has been led in large part by members of the Posse Caucus and Representative Mariani, the chairman of the Public Safety and Criminal Justice Reform Committee, as well as Representative Cedric Frazier, the vice chair of that same committee who's joined us, who has joined us on the show today. The Republican-led Senate, on the other hand, has not held a single hearing on police reform, nor has it considered any of the proposals passed by the House. Senator Warren Limmer, the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has refused to take any meaningful action on legislation dealing with police reform and accountability. Majority Leader Paul Gazelka promised to hold hearings on police reform, but did not follow through with that commitment. So here on the show to talk about it are Senator Patricia Torres-Ray of Minneapolis' Southside. Welcome, Senator. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Luke. Happy to be here. And Representative Cedric Frazier of New Hope. How are you doing, Representative? Doing well, Luke. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you for being here. So uh, I'd like to begin by honoring and reflecting upon the legacy of, of George Floyd. So a question for both of you. Um, what does the legacy of George Floyd uh, mean to you and how can we best honor his legacy? I'll, I'll begin with Senator Torres Ray and then I'd like to hear your thoughts as well, uh, Representative Frazier. Thank you, Luke. I think that for me, uh, the reflection is um, really a moment in history where we finally have a video that shows the reality that we have experienced as a community for many, many, many years. And we have this proof uh, that we can show the world of what uh, predominantly black men have experienced in the hands of the police. And for the first time, we are able to show the, the state of Minnesota, the world, the problem we have. And this really galvanizes the entire community in terms of really figuring out what is that we need to do because each of us have a position in this reform. So we as legislators have the obligation to uh, move policy. But what I see is that my neighbors see an obligation to participate in this. The gas station owner has an obligation to participate in this, a teacher, a nurse. And this moment uh, served to, to show the world that if each of us participate and each of us do what we need to do, these reforms are gonna take place. I think that's what is happening in, in, particularly in Minneapolis, of course, where the incident happened. But I think that has translated you know, across borders of states, of you know, jurisdictions and, and the world. So that to me is the most powerful message and the most powerful legacy that George Floyd leaves in our community and, and the world. 
Representative Frazier, your thoughts on the legacy of George Floyd and, and how we can honor it? Yeah, just to add to what uh, what the senator said so eloquently, I think we can. Um, th this is a moment where I think I'm hoping. I will say I'm, I'm just going to say I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we can look back on from a historical perspective and say that at a moment that uh, that the young woman caught the video of what those officers um, did to George Floyd when they were murdering him on the streets of Minneapolis. Um, I think about it, and I as I, I talk to my grandfather quite often, and I often mention that is that it harkens back to the '60s when they were marching across Pettus Bridge for voting rights. And when they recorded those scenes of the fire hoses and the dogs being sicked on innocent children, young people. And I think that that was a moment in this country where things changed and folks said, we have to do something differently. This is not who we are and this is not who we want to be seen at or perceived as. So I'm hopeful and I gotta say I'm hopeful because we have a, a GOP Senate um, that is led by a GOP Senator that has been blocking a lot of progress for a lot of years. So I'm gonna say I'm hopeful that that video and that the jury verdict um, that you know plainly just came back and said, George Floyd was murdered right in the middle of the streets by law enforcement officers that had sworn oath to protect and serve. I'm hopeful that with that verdict, with that video, that this is the moment and that the legacy will be that George Floyd's murder have had a turn, uh, given us a turn in history and changed the mindset to some people to say, we finally have to have police reform and accountability that is gonna prevent these types of murders and killings from happening in our streets and predominantly to black men. So Representative Frazier, you just mentioned there the need for police reform and, account and accountability. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us about your work as, as vice chair of the public safety committee, of the, excuse me, of the public safety committee. You know, what has your committee accomplished this session? And what are some of the reforms that originated in your committee that have passed on the floor of the, of the House of Representatives? Well, I'd, I'd say we, we've accomplished a lot this session um, on our side, on the House side. Um, as I mentioned before, a lot of the, the, the work that has not been done or uh, there's been refusal to take any steps has been on the, on the Senate side, our GOP-led Senate side, um, Senate Leader uh, Paul Gazelka and the Public Safety uh, Committee is um, Senator Warren Limmer. Um, on our side, we've held, uh, we've had community community meetings, committee meetings, all session long, um, from January through April. We've had committee meetings. We brought community members in to share their stories, um, and with those stories, and with the activists and with experts from across the state of Minnesota, all four corners and in between, we've had individuals testify about what public safety means and what public safety changes need to happen. And I've been very clear through any conversations that I've had and Chair Mariani has been clear as well, um, that this is an issue that impacts the entire state of Minnesota. It's not just Minneapolis and St. Paul. When we had um, individuals from communities come in and testify from greater Minnesota, we learned that a majority of the police shootings and killings happen outside of the metro area. That's what many people don't focus on. And that, that is what we're trying to change in the state. That is the reform that we're offering. Um, that is the accountability that we're also offering. We've got, uh, we've got accountability reforms that surround um, our body camera um, data, giving family members access within 48 hours if it doesn't imped, uh, impede the investigation process. Family members, oftentimes, it's the last few moments of their family members' lives, their loved ones' lives, and they should have access to that video. Um, no knock warrants. We want to limit and raise the threshold to how you can get access to a no knock warrant. We've seen the danger 
of an unarmed warrant, not only for the, the individuals that the warrant is being executed upon, but also the officers as well. This is something that can protect officers and protect individuals. The, um, the traffic stop bill, this is something that could eliminate some of these senseless um, interactions that are escalated to the point of death in the case of Dante Wright. You know, we can limit those type of things. We, we don't need armed officers to enforce minor traffic violations, things such as expired license tabs or uh, air fresheners hanging from the rearview mirrors. That shouldn't even be an issue, an air freshener hanging from the rearview mirror. Um, the white supremacy prohibition on law enforcement being involved and affiliated with white supremacy. To me, that's a no-brainer. We shouldn't even have to bring legislation for folks to understand that that is something that is bad and we should not want that. We've got FBI reports going back over a decade. We've got current testimony from intelligence agencies um, leadership now saying that that is the number one threat domestically here is uh, far white white supremacist groups and domestic terrorists. That shouldn't be a question whatsoever. Uh, we also have the, um, the, data um, the data that we need to collect for our early warning system so that our licensing board can intervene with training or intervene and take action on licenses of officers that are crossing the line and not protecting the serving, but are bringing harm to the community. Um, those all passed off of the House floor this year. And all we need is for the Senate to engage us and to accept those provisions. And then we can send it on to the governor for signature. And we could likely, in many cases, have some meaningful change that could save lives in the state of Minnesota. So Senator Torres Ray, as Representative Frazier alluded to, the story of police reform in the Senate is much different than in the House. Tell us, tell us about that. Completely different and very frustrating. I believe that the majority leader on the chair of the committee, Limmer, and the entire uh, majority have focused on a political uh, message that really speaks to a base that, in my opinion, is very small. And uh, they are determined really to stay on message, on political message, which is so irresponsible. We uh, were able to um, see and review a Twitter from the majority leader a couple of days ago where he talked about prayers, where he talked he talk about meeting with uh, um, priests and ministers in North Minneapolis. He keeps naming North Minneapolis as the problem. He keeps uh, labeling the issue as, as violence in the community. So all of these are labels uh, that really are intended to divide the state of Minnesota. And to me, what is clear is that they are missing the, the vast message and priority that uh, the state of Minnesota really wanna focus on, and that is reform. We hear this in every community that we represent, you know, suburban Minnesota, rural and urban core. We are not blaming all the officers, but we wanna take care of the bad apples. Everybody agrees with that. The system that we have in place is just simply not working. It's not working. And the reforms that are being proposed actually will help everyone. In the hearings that were um, that finally, you know, that they, they took place in the House, which we really heard from a very diverse constituency that included law enforcement, they said we need to regain credibility in the community. And these reforms will help us just do that and keep communities safer. They themselves testify. Well, the Senate does not want to hear that. That's why they haven't even had hearings, because they don't want to hear the real message and the truth. And I, I think that they are making a mistake. 
I believe that they are speaking to a very small group of people. And we are going to hopefully turn this around during the election and demonstrate that Minnesota is ready for these reforms, is ready to adopt the policies that are being proposed by the House right now. And that not only it will give us this opportunity to reshape the practices and adopt practices that everybody wants, but really be a model for the nation because people are watching what is happening in Minnesota right now. They know that we have community engagement, that we have good ideas and that we could be leading the nation. So we're missing an opportunity and the, the, the people who are blocking this opportunity are really uh, the Republicans in the Senate. And it's, it's a shame, it's a, you know, really slap on the face of predominantly uh, communities of color right now uh, where we do present solutions and ideas that we think are the ideas of the future. And we are not even given a chance to have those hearings in the Senate. So another question for both of you, and this time I'll start with uh, Representative Frazier. Uh, what advice would you give to activists and community members who are still hurting due to the lack of action on police reform in this special session? And to be clear, the lack of action is on the Senate side, not on the House side. And um, I'm just wondering if you could comment on that, uh, Representative Frazier, and then We'll hear from you, Senator Torres Ray, as well. Yeah, quickly, Lou, thank you. I, I, I'll say to that, contact your senators. I mean, there, there are constituents that live in the areas of these senators that have blocked these laws that want to see change. And they need to let them know that they are that they are their constituents also and that they want to see them act on police accountability and police reform. We had the faith community um, right shortly before we convened our conference committees where Senator Torres Ray mentioned, we had those open hearings. And we have to, unfortunately, we have to force the Senate to sit in those committee meetings and hear from the community, to hear from the people that they are not helping. They're elected to help all Minnesotans. They are not helping all Minnesotans. But the faith community had a, had a meeting and convened at a press conference out front of the Maple Grove Community Center saying, Senator Limmer, do your job. You know, take action. Listen to the community, listen to Minnesotans and do something that is going to impact and change their lives for the better around public safety. Um, so, so I'd say to the community, continue to do that. Continue to talk to your leaders in your community. Continue to have them reach out to, to Senator Limmer and to Senator Gazelka. And you also continue to reach out to your senators in your areas and tell them that you want this change and, and push them. You elected them. You have the power. If they don't change, remember that for the next election cycle, which is coming up fairly quickly now. Um, and I just one more thing I want to add, uh, just kind of piggyback on what Senator Torres Ray talked about. Senator Gazelka came out with that video on the anniversary of George Floyd's murder, to say that there's violence in North Minneapolis. We need more police officers. That is the only way that we can fix communities. I mean, let's just be clear and call it what it is. When he says Minneapolis, he's talking about Black people. That's what he's doing. And it is a, it is a straight line of communication to people that he believes. Now, I don't believe all people believe this, but people that he believes that Black people are violent, that black people need to be policed more, it's absolutely untrue. What we do know is that communities that have high levels of poverty, that have a lack of resources, that don't have the greatest education systems, that are ignored by policymakers, they are over-policed. And that is what we're seeing. We're seeing legislators, policymakers continue to do that, continue to have policies that produce inequitable outcomes, and they continue to ignore what the community wants. And that's what we have to stop. And it is a political point. All these individuals are preparing themselves to run for governor in the next cycle. 
and they're playing to their bases. They're playing for police unions to continue to support them and get their endorsements. I think it's bad policy. I think it's bad morality because what you're telling people is that we care more about politics than we do about people. We care more about power than we do about doing what's best for all Minnesotans and making sure that you all feel safe and that you all are taken care of. And that's just bad overall. Absolutely. Senator Torres Ray, do you have any any comment on uh, you know uh, ways that you think activists can support this and and anything that uh, Representative Frazier just had to share there? I think Representative Frazier uh, was absolutely correct. I encourage people to really find out who your senator and your representative is. I know how many people are interested in this, and when we ask them, "Do you know who your senator is and how he voted on this issue?" People don't know. And so it is incredibly important that you engage during the next few days. They are so critical. You know, when you hear a majority leader say that we need to pray and you think, well, are you the leader of a faith-based organization? You're not the leader of a faith-based organization to send people to pray. You are the leader of the Minnesota Senate. They are not doing their jobs. And people need to hear this. People really need to understand what is behind this message. You know, as Representative Frazier said, that really divide community and paints a community as a, as, a, as a violent community. What is behind all of that? The racism that exists right now in the Senate. And furthermore, how they are blocking the public from participating in this conversation. That is what is most aggravating. You know, that people are not aware of what is happening because they have closed the doors to the public. So right now they are negotiating $53 billion, $53 billion without public input. We don't know what they are doing, right? And we heard actually this morning from the chair of judiciary, they have presented many offers and they said no. Now, when they presented an offer that is very close to what the Senate is looking for, they said no too. So they are saying no to everything. They are playing with the public. They are playing with us and irresponsibly, irresponsibly, really in a very un, you know, unprecedented way, uh, playing with the public and the system that was put in place as a democratic system of public participation. So I think it's very important that people engage in this process that demand accountability and demand that this public this process be public. I think this is very important and that you call your senators and representatives, but especially your state senator. Absolutely. Um, I wanna shift gears just a little bit here and I certainly hope I'm framing this question um, correctly. And we've seen crime go up, not just in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's gone up nationwide. And so beyond police reform and heightened accountability measures, Many people are talking about the need for systemic change that addresses, addresses the conditions which lead to crime. So what are some of the long-term solutions you've considered that would maybe improve life for Minnesotans and uh, lead to just better life uh, for every Minnesotan um, uh, here, in, here in the cities and, and across the state? I'll start with you, Senator Torres Wright. It's very well known that we have the greatest disparities in the nation, that by itself, it's a problem that we have been contemplating, talking about it for as long as, as I have been in this country, 34 years. It has, you know, it's more than 34 years. So we know the problems. We know that um, we have the greatest disparities in education, that we have a high incidence of poverty, 
lack of opportunity for the jobs of the future in communities of color, the determinants of health for communities of color are, they are terrible. So for every indicator of well-being that you really look at when you separate people of color from white people, you realize that Minnesota is 47, 48, 49 in the nation when we are first on these same indicators of well-being for the overall community. We know the problems. We know how they are impacting our communities. We have done significant studies that really show that we lack investment in these communities, that we have not done targeted investments and policies in each and every area. But still, the investments are not being done. Everything is rhetoric around these issues of disparities. And they have been very persistent in the state of Minnesota. So right now we have, for instance, a very good example of how we need to uh, invest in the reconstruction of areas where predominantly people of color live. People, you know, housing is going up we, and we're not investing a penny in the Senate. We have not invested one penny in the reconstruction of these businesses that are predominantly owned by African-American, indigenous people and people of color and immigrants in the core area where they pay more taxes to subsidize rural Minnesota actually, because they think it's the opposite. They think that they are subsidizing people of color and when it's exactly the opposite, it is the work of people of color and the resilience and the investment, the hard work that takes place in this community that actually raise prices in taxes that we pay to the general fund that pays for all of the public infrastructure, including education. So Representative Frazier, same question to you, thoughts on systemic changes to uh, improve conditions for, for all Minnesotans. Yeah, I'll say, you know, uh, Senator Red made me think when she talked about the disparities. I was just listening to NPR this morning. They were talking about how, you know, St. Paul and Minneapolis are ranked like, they're like one in three now, I think, in terms of, of the country, in terms of parks and, and access to parks. But now they're doing this new ranking and they're looking, they're drilling down, they're looking at what does it mean in terms of equity, though? And as they're doing the report, they talk about how, although they're one in three, you know, in Minneapolis alone, 58 BIPOC communities have 58% less access to parks, uh, park spaces. And, and that, that is, that is again, it, it encapsulates the, the dichotomy that we have in this state around when it comes to, uh, we rank at the highest in terms of livability. And then when you drill down, you see these deep, deep disparities um, that we're not actually focused on getting rid of. And we have been contemplating, we've been talking about these disparities for decades, but yet we have not put the policies in place to eradicate those. So on the House side, I mean, coming out again, we've passed great bills. We've got bills that will rebuild the areas that were um, that were devastated by the civil unrest and, and, and also by the harm and danger that came in from folks outside of our state. And we know from outside of our state, but also from outside of the metro area. In fact, they were from areas represented by Senator Gazelka and other folks that are that continue to villainize Minneapolis uh, in the metro area. Um, so we've got we've got bills, we've got we've got resources to go toward an out um, off ramp to help alleviate the eviction wave that we that we think that we know that we're likely going to see when the when the when the lift comes up in terms of um, the eviction moratorium um, that is also continuing to be blocked by the Senate GOP. We've got resources to invest in small businesses in, in black and brown communities um, in the metro area. And again, we have uh, Senate GOP, they talk about small businesses all the time, but they're never talking about BIPOC small businesses. 
Um, and they're absolutely not talking about putting those resources into the black and brown communities to help them rebuild better uh, after what we've seen the devastation from this pandemic. So those type of resources and those bills are in the um, house bills that pass out of the house. And we just need our Senate GOP colleagues to come along um, and see what everyone else sees. You know, Minnesota is a better Minnesota when all Minnesotans have access to the resources that they need to build their communities up and lift their communities up. It doesn't just, it's not just good for the metro area, it's good for the entire state. Because as Senator Ray said, you know, the metro area is an economic engine and we are providing equity to the rest of Minnesota. And you have no complaints. You have no complaints from individuals that live and thrive in the metro area because they visit greater Minnesota all the time and they enjoy those spaces. We have no problem providing resources to all Minnesotans. And so our Senate GOP colleagues need to understand that they need to do better. They need to do their job and they need to care about Minnesotans. They took an oath to represent all, they need to do that. Final question, Senator Torres Ray, what do you want the public to know about what's happening at the legislature? And if someone wants to get in contact with you or find you online, how, how can they do that? Well, they can always um, visit our website and or, or you know, call us. It's uh, incredibly important that you ask for information. We have actually a town hall this evening at uh, 6 p.m. with my representatives where we will be talking about you know, multiple issues, including uh, criminal justice reform. But more than connecting directly with us and members of the Policy Caucus, I think what is important is that you look at your own network, your own family, your, your relatives, people that you work with, and figure out if those relatives, if those family friends live in areas where we need to call a member that disagrees with this, because it is only through that personal contact that senators are gonna be able to really respond. You know, you, you will be amazed to hear the power that you have when you call us and you make noise, when you put a Twitter out, when you put a, a Facebook message, when you write a letter to the editor of your newspaper and you say, you know, my senator is not representing my voice. My senator, I don't know what, you know, the work that my senator is doing. I think that it's a very powerful instrument, you know, the use of social media, the use of communication with people that you know live in these districts is something that we really need right now desperately. So I encourage you to communicate. And if you don't know, then you call me and we will figure out really all you need to do is type in Google who represents me and then put MN and then it will take you to the house site, which is very good. And you type your address and it'll tell you who your representatives are. Representative Frazier, any closing thoughts from you? Very similar to what Senator Torres Ray shared. Uh, you know, be engaged, uh, reach out to your representative, reach out to your Senate. We do listen. Um, and, 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 if, and if you could apply the pressure to our GOP colleagues, I believe at some point they'll have to listen. They, they have to understand, look, um, you can't continue to run campaigns and pursue power based on fear and division. At some point, you have to come with good policy that is gonna help make lives of all Minnesotans better. So we need our constituents, we need their constituents and all Minnesotans to continue to press them to do exactly that. Bring policies that are gonna make the lives of all Minnesotans better, not divide us, not have us to continue to fight with each other, but to make our lives better. Senator Torres Ray, Representative Cedric Frazier, thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. 
That's it for today's episode of Call of the Senate. You can find us online at senatedfl.mn or on social media under the username SenateDFL. See you again next week.